0: You are now listening to Creative
1: Masters. This is the podcast where we interview musicians, photographers, directors, comedians, designers, and other creatives to discuss how they got started, how they got past those bumps in the road, and how they built a career off their creativity. So let's get right into it. I'm your host, bye bye, bye, and I'm Team Double Machine Masters to bring you Creative Masters. Now let's start the show. What's going on, everybody? This is Reggie, a.k.a. Nobody Famous. You're listening to the Creative Masters podcast. Big thanks to everybody who listened to the podcast last week, the first episode with Kareem Fort. If you haven't checked that out, please go back and listen. Also, thanks to everybody who's left a review and rated us on iTunes. We're now available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and SoundCloud. We also want to extend the invitation for music producers to submit your instrumentals to have featured on the podcast. Um, we post on social media a little bit, and there's um, some directions that you got to follow. So as well as sending the instrumental, you have to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. So a lot of people send in beats, but they forgot to leave a review. So just a reminder, if you want to do that, please leave a review, and then you can email us an instrumental at creative masters podcast at gmail.com and we'll feature an instrumental or two each week and also link you guys up in the show notes so that people can find you. For this Episode we have my dude Jay Rhodes, a very talented music producer and now author out of Dallas, Texas. We talk about a lot of good stuff from the music production and the grind. In this episode, we talk about who he produced for.
2: Produced for Talib kwali Absol, Black Daughter, The Roots, The Game on his Jesus Peace album, we did Blood Diamonds, Lecrae, uh, Welcome to America. We
1: also talk about hustling and connecting with fans and people in the industry, not only in social media, but also offline as well.
2: It's still, like I say, I call social media the matrix. You're gonna have to do some things in the real world. Then we get into his new book, These
1: Beats Ain't Free. We talk about how that came about, how he self-published and how he sold over 3,000 copies independently by traveling around the country and spreading the word about it.
2: But what compelled me to write it was I think it was a shortage in the producer community and the artist community as well. Like of inspiration and information
1: these are just some of the things that we talk about in this episode it was a really cool episode because jay rhodes and i have a lot of similarities we came up around the same time so it's really cool to dig into a story and learn more about him but without further ado here's episode two of the creative masters podcast with jay rhodes what's going on everybody this is reggie aka nobody famous i'm here with a very special guest today jay rhodes very talented producer um i ran across this brother probably about seven months ago we just kind of mutually linked up on um instagram through um, beat making videos and then kind of been following each other through snapchat connected on um facebook and things like that so we got a lot of good stuff to talk about today so what's up my man how you doing
2: man what's good man uh thank you for having me first off man and it's it's dope you say you connected with me about seven months ago but just the power of music i think i heard heard about you probably about three years ago and all of the dope stuff that you do man so it's, it was a blessing to finally connect with each other
1: oh that's what's up yeah you never know who's watching man with the internet so <laughs> yeah, you good. never know and i saw we had a bunch of um, mutual friends and stuff on on facebook and we're gonna kind of get into that too in a little bit but um you know give give the listeners a little bit about yourself give a, a brief background you know where you from what you do and things like that
2: all right, my name is uh Jay Rhodes I'm a producer and now author from uh Dallas Texas i uh I always you know love the arts and, and music I guess to not go too far back I in high school other than basketball it was rap with me and my homeboys we would have uh just I'm probably dating myself but we'd have two tape players one of them had an instrumental and the other one would be blank and you know you couldn't mess up so you know you'd be trying to overdub and redub them and stuff so they kind of started. Mm-hmm my recording you know my, my recording career i guess but then i came to college and you know i started taking rap more serious and that's kind of what i was doing was a rapper my homeboy that i met at school was the producer mm-hmm. um my homie left school so i was a rapper without beat so i started seriously getting into beats about 2003 like hey this is really what i'm gonna do um fast forward now just stuck with it um and, you know, th- throughout the years, I've been blessed to, you know, produce for Talib Kweli, Abso, Black Daughter of the Roots, The Game, on his Jesus Peace album, their Blood Diamonds, Lecrae, uh, Welcome to America, mm-hmm. um, Royce the Five, most most recently Royce the Five Nine Tabernacle, that was a number one rap album, as well as The Game, and Lecrae, and Lecrae, it, it was a blessing, he was number one on Billboard, period, so mm-hmm. been blessed to win Billboard Award, Stella Award, Dove Award. I almost won a Grammy, but I almost don't count. Um <laughs> Other than that, man, um just just some blessings and it and it's all due to perseverance and seriously, seriously pushing in the game and got a lot of more cool stuff coming this year, musically, not just not just musically though, though Uh touring with my book,
0: mm-hmm. doing
2: a lot of cool things for movie, television, and you know, working even outside the box with marketing companies and just doing a lot of cool things. So that's kinda it's kind of the fast, uh, quick story, but just, you know, branding myself in this music industry. And it's, just, it's a marathon, but I see every year, you know, my stock rising. And that's, you know, all hard work and effort. So that's me.
1: Yep, it definitely takes time. And that's, that's crazy. We kind of got some parallels because I started off um, rapping as well. And then mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't have beats. So I was just like, <laughs> let me learn how to make beats, you know. So then yep. I started making beats and I just kind of shifted from from the, um, the rap side to the beat making side and kind of stuck with it from there. So it was about mm-hmm. the exact same time around 2003 when I really got serious about making beats. Wow, wow. So, uh, so yeah, we, we probably had about the same, same come up time for sure. And congrats on the, uh, you know, the number ones and everything like that as well, especially Thank the most you. recent Thank one. I saw you posted on that. Um, so let's go into a little bit about the music side. And the production. I know you mentioned you had the two tape decks and things like that. So, <laughs> so tell me about uh, you know when you really got serious about making beats. What was your what was your setup like at that time around two
2: thousand three? Well, uh, about two thousand two ish, three ish. My setup was real mega. It was I had a PC back then, mm-hmm. and it was Reason. Reason two. It was Reason something. So I started off on Reason, mm-hmm. and it's so funny. Like I had all these great ideas, I had no idea how to put them down. I remember my first beats that I was so happy about. At least my first one at all, it was like a, a five-minute production the whole way, and I think I didn't even know what quantization was at that point. So I mm-hmm. think the beat was 120, but in my head, I thought I thought people really production-wise, I thought they played it out the whole way through. Yeah. So uh, it may have been at 120, but I was playing it at around 80, 85. So then my homie he taught me this concept called uh, you know the metronome and mm-hmm. quantization a little bit. So. My next few beats, they 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 became dope and dope, but still, I was still a rapper at that point, and that was just something I was doing for fun. So, um, with my disbursement checks, because I went to UNT, like uh, I used my disbursement checks not for probably school related stuff. I bought my real setup. Uh-huh. I bought some monitors, some of my monitors that I still have in my home setup to this day. They were some event. TR-6s I think I forgot what you call them and then I got a MIDI controller Mm -hmm. and you know from that I was really start learning Reason start learning reason and then I elevated as the years went on to like I started using sonar Link with reason and I had an MPC so I kind of went backwards. I was like, okay I went from software to an MPC Mm -hmm. and then uh, years later I got uh, a Apple computer that I was using for video stuff for the most part But then I was like man, let me use this for some music. So I got logic I got a machine and then I haven't turned back from Logic or Apple on my machine since. And, um, and that's pretty much, you know, I guess the kind of uh, evolution of my setup, I use a lot of VSTs, like all contact, everything I Use a lot of stuff in contact, but yeah, it's, it's pretty much, uh, there now I kinda, I've dabbled with Ableton a little bit, but not too much, but for me and my setup and for, you know, cause all dogs essentially do the same thing, mm-hmm. but Logic and machine and all that stuff for me is just really my comfort zone. So that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, I
1: think it is all about uh, finding your comfort zone and what works for you. Because I was on FL Studio for the longest. So I was using Reason as well. But I only used Reason for the sound back in the day. Mm-hmm. And then uh, eventually moved over to Ableton about, I shoot, seven years ago now. But I just remember back in um, you know 2003, 2004, it was crazy because like people used to actually frown upon people who use software. Which, yeah. Which yeah, is crazy to think about now, you know what I mean? Because everybody uses software. They want to get a machine. They want to get Ableton push or whatever. And Mm -hmm. use that. I remember back in the day, it's like, who are these kids on the internet? Who's using software? Like, you got to get this Triton, you got to get this NPC, you know, and and all of this hardware, whatever. So it's it's interesting to kind of how the evolution of just technology has changed all that. And now, you know, pretty much, I mean, even the hardware that we use is just controlling the software for the most part mm-hmm so that this is sort of true
2: fun. man i think it, it was funny like back in those days the knock on software was oh it doesn't sound like hardware and stuff you know it doesn't even match which mm-hmm. I mean, essentially in some ways that may be true but the way software is now and it's almost like the trade-off with um flexibility mm-hmm. and how easy it is to use maybe you know what i'm saying worth the trade-off as far as you know what i'm saying as far as w- maybe the little like perk that maybe using the analog synth may have in some situations not mm-hmm. saying that um That there's still not a place for the hardware, but it's just like really, man, and and some of the stuff that they're doing with the software, they never have done with like a hardware keyboard. Like when you think about the symphonies that they can sample and stuff with, with the software, like there's never been like a keyboard that can do some of the things that these, you know, like 200 gigabyte software programs are writing. So it's really evolving.
1: Yeah, and it's always exciting too because now I just look at even kids just on YouTube, Instagram and stuff. It's like, man, if I would have had that when I was like man. 12, 13, you Come know
2: what on. I mean? Come on, man, so, like exactly.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a big reason too why... Uh, it's kind of like a resurgence of good music. Because I feel like in the mid-2000s, everybody was like, oh, man, music, you know what I mean? It ain't what it used to be and blah, blah, blah. But it's like now it seems like something new comes out every week that's just fire, so. Uh,
2: yeah, you, you know, know, I think uh, real quick, I know I know we want to get to some other points. I, I think to that point, too, I think it's a, a gift and a curse. Because you remember, like, quote, quote, back in our day. Like, if you wanted mm-hmm. to make music, you couldn't just, just get a program and make it. You had to really buy stuff. You had to save up. You know, it was a little... Mm-hmm more cumbersome to become a producer back in the day, which I think kind of had the people that was, you know, more serious about it there, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time now, like, I think it's pros and cons that maybe it's some geniuses that's making music now that maybe, you know, didn't know they would be geniuses because they just stumbled upon the program. But then mm-hmm. it's also some people that maybe, you know what I'm saying, maybe don't have the musical chops that, you know, kind of are diving into it. So I, I think it's a gift and a curse in both aspects.
1: Yeah, definitely. But, I mean, even back in, you know, the mid-2000s, like when I was starting with software, I look at a lot of cats who maybe have been older and had jobs. Yeah. And would go spend $10,000 on keyboards and their beats were yeah, horrible. Right. So, you know what I mean? You're right about it. It kind of works both ways. You're right but. uh it. I mean, I guess moving on, like what as you started progressing in in your uh, music and everything like that, when did you kind of decide like I want to be a producer? Like this is what I want to do.
2: Um, I think like in my college years, about two thousand three, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm here, but I mean, it's computer science, but I suck at computer science, so I'm finna be an artist. I mean, that was around two two thousand three. So mm-hmm. me being a producer and all of that stuff, it was like I kind of grew up in the Kanye West era in, in college. Mm-hmm. So he kind of made it, you know, I think Q-Tip and some other people before him, you know, were the, the rapper producers. But Kanye kind of brought it to the forefront in a mainstream type of way. So I think around um, 03, 03, 04, man, I was like, hey, this is what I'm going to do musically. Now, production coming all the way to the forefront, it changed because, you know, as a rapper, it was cool. But at that time, it wasn't as many producers just on the mm-hmm. scene. So being that guy that produced beats, you just became real cool and real amazing or whatnot. So mm-hmm. I start gravitating towards it because even back in the day, even when I was just getting a couple hundred here and there for beats in college, mm-hmm. it was something actually that people were really willing to pay for may, way more quicker than a verse or something or a feature or something like that. Yep. So I start seeing just the coolness and what being a producer really, you know, kind of meant. And you know, back then there was a, a bigger budgets, a lot more you know lucrative things going on so i was like man when i get my first placement i'm gonna be rich you know Mm because it's not that i did it for the money at all because i loved it but um yeah around 04 i started really saying hey um this rapping and all this other stuff i'm doing is cool and i'm gonna continue to do it but this producing is what i'm really gonna push just because of you know i mean like the different circles that it gets me into so around 04 03 04 i was like okay let's get it
1: awesome that's dope I want to uh, touch on a couple things that you have mentioned there. I guess first, just to like the selling the beats here and there for a few hundred. Like, what were you, uh, what was kind of like your process for that? Because I remember those days, like SoundClick was popping. Man. So, like, I had, I remember, like, I sold my first beat, and then I basically reinvested that money into an ad, and it shot me up to, like, number seven wow. you know, on, on those hip-hop charts. And, you know, and then after that, I was selling beats every week. I mean, I was, like, twenty twenty one. You know, you're making three, four hundred dollars when you're in school. You know, that's a that's little, heavy. Yeah. So what were you doing back then to kind of get your name out as a producer when you decided that you wanted to go, you know, full steam
2: ahead with that? Well, with me back in back in them days, like uh, I didn't my marketing strategies aren't as good, um, you know, in that market as yours were. were. I kind of had to learn like, because mm-hmm. I tried to do sound click, but, you know, I wasn't smart enough to invest in the ad and do this that, and the third so i was always kind of like at the bottom with sound click i got a few uh people interested in in my beats on my space the funny thing the biggest thing i got on my space was you know Idris. although you he's elba he was a uh, dj and he yeah, was yep. trying to rap or whatever mm-hmm. like his people reached out to me but i knew nothing about the business so i kind of mm-hmm. like totally you know messed that deal up i think we're talking too much or doing whatever but anyway that's the closest i ever came to Using my social media in that time for um you know in the early days of social media for placements, but around my school and around the city, my name kind of started buzzing because I was oh that guy he's kind of sampling like Kanye he's mm-hmm. doing this like this producer and that producer, and my buzz kind of grew that way. It kind of it kind of really grew locally, and mm-hmm. then I start kind of using um my local buzz to kind of promote myself. You know mainly on Facebook in the early stages that's what kind of kind of worked for me so. You know, I think, you know, people would come and I just sell it. I didn't know exactly what the going rate was, but I think, you know, my first few beats were like 100, 150 mm-hmm. or something like that. And, and it just grew from there. So I got a lot of my big buzz from being on a college campus and it kind of spread back out to my city of Dallas.
1: That's what's up. That's what's up. And then from when you started building that buzz and everything, when how long did it take from, you know, 0304 to when you kind of first got your, I guess, a, a big placement that you're like proud of, like, oh yeah, it's about to be that, it's about to go down now.
2: Man, it took a while, man. It took a long while. So what, what I would do, like a lot of my homies um around O uh, three O four, some of them they were kind of like moving to Atlanta and they were getting, you know, placements here and there with like cherish and maybe Jagged Edge and some mm-hmm. other, you maybe Young Jock. They were kind of doing some things, but with me, I think what helps me now in my business is that even though you know for whatever reason God had me kind of getting my stuff later. Mm-hmm. I kind of really started learning branding then. I was like, okay, well, if this not going to happen, I'm really going to buzz up Dallas, try to be the up-and-coming young Dallas Dr. Dre, build me a music group. I was rapping, you know, I was kind of pushing those albums. I was pushing out. It was almost like a version of No Limit in Dallas. Like, you know, my music group, every month, we were letting out another project. So I was buzzing that route. Um, so it took a while for me to even get my uh, official first major placement. It really didn't come into 2012, to be totally mm-hmm. honest. And before that, like I got, uh, I was working with a producer and I think Slim Thug ended up rapping and using one of my beats, but I didn't get credit for it. It came out in 20, like 2010 or 2011, mm-hmm. but just due to the situation and me having to learn the game, like I didn't even get credit for it. So it took a while from like starting to act. And plus I'm from Dallas, it's a lot harder market to crack because mm-hmm. at that time in Dallas, it really wasn't too much going on, but short story long. And to answer your question from like, let's say 2004, okay, I'm gonna be a producer. It took to get a big, major, official, you know, placement with credits. It took about like at least seven and a half years for that to happen. Mm-hmm.
1: And and I, I know exactly how that is because I tell people all the time. It's like the seven to ten years, the ten thousand hours, all that. Yeah. And to me, you know, I, I feel grateful that it actually took longer for it to come. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because that I, way, I, I, I know how to manage it, I know how to reinvest, I know how to do the branding, the marketing, like you said, you had to learn and everything like that. And I think that's very important. Like a lot of people get impatient about it, especially like the young cats and they just wanna get out there and, you know, get these placements and stuff like that. And they don't even really know how the game works. And like you said, mm-hmm. you had a slim thug song and you didn't you know you didn't have everything in order so you didn't get credit for it. Mm-hmm. So um I guess along those lines, how important is it do you think, especially like for these younger cats who might be listening, who are trying to get into the music industry or any industry for that matter, to really Get a a hold of like the actual business side of it like they about, you know, performance rights organizations the publishing just the music industry in general. Like, how important is that?
2: I think is a uh, very important with with me. I would say like and I would say to any up and coming producer, it's all worth it. All it all the times you think and you're failing it's just another lesson. Mm-hmm. And so I went through a lot of lessons on my way and I still don't know it all, but I know a lot, you know, and I know enough and I keep learning. So. Is is very is very vital and I'm not saying that you can't be, you know, rookie of the year and get in there early and do some things, but mm-hmm. a lot of times if you're not serious about it and you don't know it, you may you may blow up real quick, but how many producers have we seen that have blown up but t- you don't hear about from you don't hear from anymore? Mm-hmm. Because and if you if you don't have your ground And your base solidified in this industry it's like as quick as you get it then you're gone because you don't have a base Mm -hmm. so what i will say is if over the years you solidify your base there's always room to blow up but there's there's very far uh there's less room for you to totally fall off because your base is solidified Mm -hmm. so all those years that maybe you're not making it solidify your business solidify your sound solidify like the way you speak and even with me having a nine-to-five job longer than what I wanted to. I had to. I learned my business in those years because I started learning how to talk to people from the other side and how they thought and doing everything. So now I'm not just a producer, but I'm an A1 kind of business just because of all the situations that I've been through. So I'm telling you, if it takes longer, like, it's no such thing as an overnight success. And of course, we all want to come right out the gate and have that instant gratification. But ultimately, if music is something that you're going to be doing for the rest of your life, if you do get those seven years maybe even a decade to get that base up under you you'll never fall off like literally Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i totally agree um and then you also mentioned like you had to learn the branding you had to learn you know the business side of things and, and everything like that so how important um in your journey was like education like what did you do to learn about branding what did you do to learn about the music industry and things like that
2: a lot of the stuff was trial and error um a lot of the stuff was trying to, of course, you research things and you learn certain things. But, you know, like when I started getting my first big placements initially, of course, they were with, um, uh, you know, S1 and SKP, you know, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how we hooked up, he saw. And like I say, I tell a lot of people this may be off the path, but a lot of times people are like, how did you make it? How do you make it? The main way you make it is by being visible, um, mm-hmm. being dope and being hardworking. Like mm-hmm. if you're out there just doing your thing, it's like the connections like i say they gravitate towards you you know what i mean yep. it's a lot of times you'll try to oh well let me google google search how i can get here or there that's top level stuff but if you making dope music and you're doing dope things the people the people that matter are gonna see you so more than anything it's just your energy be doper and work harder so you know when doing it like i say I, I i got assigned to skp you know soul controller productions with s1 and i learned a lot of the you know top level industry stuff from them you know mm-hmm. kind of like hey this is this this is going to be that or whatever and over the you know time you start researching stuff yourself but i got with some good people that were already doing it and i kind of learned you know the basics the, you know the basic stuff and from there you kind of start building your brand and start learning other things outside of that
1: definitely so um like instagram snapchat everything i see you heavy on there and you are building your brand on there i mean like i said that's how we connected mm-hmm. um and i've been following you just out you had me making a beat earlier just based off of what you just posted about an hour and a half ago <laughs> I so, appreciate it, bro. you know what i mean stuff like that so how um how important is that for your brand like building your brand like how how much time and effort do you put into like your social media strategy
2: i think it's very important for any brand especially like if you get to the point to where you're beyonce or mm-hmm. where you dig this stuff don't matter you know what i mean because at that point you're you're that grand to where you know what i'm saying you set the trends you do whatever but no matter how your talent is like in this day and age like i say man you have to know how to navigate the social media matrix like if you're not using it and the thing about it like you can't waste a lot of time on there and if you don't do it right you can actually hurt yourself but once mm-hmm. you find your brand and you find a way to promote yourself like that fine little line and pushing it you it is very important and like i say um i got way more things going on Behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. then I show, but still with so much going on, you have to like tease and kind of you know put stuff out there in a cool manner to where people can enjoy your brand. It's not like you're overselling, but once you find your niche, whatever your niche is, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean, and whatever matches your brand is vital. Like social media is a part of my everyday routine, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean, and it's not, it's like it's worked in, you know what I mean. It's worked in. Okay, I'm a post. This today, I'm gonna post this much on this, you know, network. I don't want to overpost. I'm gonna do this on this network. It's built in, it's more like it's a job. Like, exactly your social media promotion is part of your job. And if you don't think it is in this day and age, you know, I don't think you really get it. But until you can get to a point to where you, Drake, J. Cole, and the world just reacts to whatever post, you have to, um, you know, make posts so the world can react, you know, kind of, mm-hmm. kind of sort of thing. So it's very important. It's just as important as the music. You can have the dopest beats in the world. But if you're not trying to utilize social media to the best for your branding, then you, you're really not getting it. And, uh, and all that dope music will live on your hard drive. It's just important as the music, I mean, as far as to get you out. Mm-hmm.
1: Definitely. Um, and speaking of like that social media, how do you find that balance of posting enough but not posting too much? Not bragging or not, you know, just flooding flooding everybody's feed with stuff, but also being visible and, and staying on top of mind for people.
2: I think, um, you know, I have a, almost a set amount because, I mean, kind then you got to kind of learn, like, uh, when it's enough. Like, because, I mean, you can't oversaturate it. I guess I know for each social media, you know, you and you I've done the research enough to know when people react to, you know, at least each social network. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For me, at least. And so you do that, and it's like anytime you start really posting over that, that's when you kind of start saturating it. So it's really a lot of trial and error. Um, but then kind of, once you find that sweet spot, you kind of abide by it as much as you can, you know what I'm saying? On the daily. And that sweet spot may be different for different people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, if you're a certain person that, um, has, you know, a certain type of following to where you could post five times in a day and, you know, you still get the same kind of reaction, then you do that.
0: Mm -hmm. But
2: if you're at the point to where people can, you know, kind of, I hate to use the word stomach, but on certain, you know, uh, social medias, if they can kind of really react to stomach to like posting twice a day then that's what you do and you kind of it's kind of really a lot of trial and error but but the one rule that i do is that i say for everything you show and i'm I'm uh you know uh use ebonics or have three mo mm-hmm. and i say that a lot of times people can broadcast their um potentials a lot before they come official so what you mm-hmm. want to do is you don't want to try to create fake stuff to take to the social media matrix what i do is i really try to do real stuff a lot of tangible things in the real world to where it's like i got so many tangible things to where i'm like dang what i'm gonna post about today and mm-hmm. you kind of like you know baby feed and spoon feed you know kind of social media matrix so that they could be like oh dang he's doing this but they don't know about all the you know the iceberg that's under under the water or whatnot so it's a balance it took me a while to figure it out but it's, it's working for me now and as my business grows i try to just you know alter alter it you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. here and there yeah, it's interesting because you said a
1: couple of things that really caught my attention. And uh, the big one was the research of when you post because um, I guess a couple of things, like you, you said, Google, and I mean, Google's a great resource. People just seem not to want to use it for some reason, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you can go yeah. to, you can go, and you can search, and there, there's there been studies on these different social media channels that are going to tell you in articles written are going to tell you the best times and when you should post on different social media channels. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, like you said, you've – see who reacts to your stuff when and when you get the best response and then you cater your strategy around that. Mm -hmm. And I I think um, a lot of people don't even think to do that or know to do that, you know, and I think that's important because you want to reach those people at a certain time. So it's like, Mm -hmm. even when I do my beat making videos, I just know what my best response is. And I usually post around like between 7 and 9 Mm p.m. I I know the hashtags I'm going to work and then that's when I get the most views, the most likes, the most comments. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, couple emails or DMs come and it's potential money. You know what exactly, I mean? so Exactly. You have to really pay attention to those details and, um, and cater your strategy around that. That's
2: dope. You say seven to nine. I haven't tried this slide. I may, I know I think you were an hour ahead of me though, right?
1: Yeah, I'm an hour ahead, but I, I'd kind of look at it like, all right, if it's, Especially if it's like nine, right? Everybody's getting off work at six on on the West Coast. Everybody, mm-hmm. everybody in betweens at home, chilling. You know, probably about to watch something, eat some food or whatever, and just scrolling. So mm-hmm. you got to think about those times when they just scrolling. Especially with the summer coming, you know, you might have some more people right. around those times and things like that.
2: So okay, okay, okay. I may I may try to yeah, but this it's, it's fun. Like I say that you look at it like that and even have that um thought and theme. You know what I'm saying? Because for mm-hmm. me right now, like I say um, if you, like I say, you know, me being central, like it's kind of hard to try to cater. To a lot of different time zones mm-hmm. and iss that in the third but like yeah I think about maybe people are scrolling when they get off work and definitely when they get up in the morning so it's just the fact that you gotta for some of these social networks other than snapchat that's why I like snapchat so much it's kind of like it's kind of like you can do stuff whenever and that's instant but anyway um yeah that's interesting and we kind of have the same thought process with it
1: yeah for sure um now investing in your career right so early let's let's kind of uh break this down into two parts mm-hmm. so like early on you know you're hustling and everything like that you don't have money like what are some ways that you can invest in your career by being resourceful because for me i always like preach like you have to be resourceful in what you do like you can google something you can learn something you can figure out how to do something like video on my video my graphic design all that stuff i learned from the need from <clears throat> music you know there what i mean go. i needed to do i needed a cover i needed something for my space or whatever so that's how i learned so how important is being resourceful? And learning these different things to invest in your career
2: well um I I think it's I I think it's everything you know what I mean because like I learned how to produce out of that necessity and you know that became my main calling card Mm -hmm. from being a producer and a rapper without an engineer I learned how to you know Mm -hmm. you know low-key you know I'm saying lightweight mix and master or whatever and record myself and do stuff like that so that's just another hat that you can wear um even, you know, being resourceful as far as your budgeting, I say that in my book, like the first thing that you could do, you know, just to even leave your nine to five is like, you know, kind of downgrade some things for, for the sacrifice or whatever. Mm-hmm. But being resourceful, with your dollars, really, really, um, really means everything, you know. So, I mean, I don't know, it, it goes a long way and that, that really being resourceful really will keep you afloat. So mm-hmm. whatever people's, you know, resourcefulness looks like. I would say it's a difference between being cheap because some things you have to sacrifice for mm-hmm. and get so that you can get money in return. Like it's a difference between being resourceful and cheap and you know that balance is different for everybody, but definitely resourcefulness will take you a long way and like I say if you even like I say let's just go to the basic thing you can do if you're trying to be a producer that lives off of music, just your budget. Um whether you have a 9 to 5 currently or whether you you know step out of your 9 to 5 your budgeting monthly can be that difference between getting those new VSTs and not being able to get them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So just seriously, like, especially when you're up and coming, you you have to um, be resourceful on both ends, like as far as what you're, um, you know, you're, you're purchasing and as far as what, you know, you're spending. So, like, really watch that. I know, like I say, it's normal life skills, too, it's, uh, on some degree, but that really, like, you know, spills over into your career.
1: Yeah, I mean budgeting <coughs> is everything no matter where you're at in your career because I mean money can go fast so you got to really think of thinking plan on where you're going to put money. You got to think ahead cuz there's going to be rough times, there's going to be times when money's slow and you got to be able, to, you know, have some money to keep you afloat until the next big thing comes. But let's let's talk about that word sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um I think a lot of producers like we kind of talked about it with the um whole social media rapper anybody just the whole, you know, anybody who's trying to make it you know, they, they kind of see it like they just see the glamour side of it. But can you touch on like an example or two of when you had to actually like make some sacrifices to make to push your career forward?
2: Hmm. Well, um, like, I guess initially and like I say, I'm still paying back loans on the speakers and some of the stuff I bought from my, you know, one of my loans. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. like I say, that that's helped me in my career. But that was initially like. You know, I could have did a lot of stuff, you know, dumber things with it. Like, I remember before I got into beat making, I use, you know, and I'm not I'm not telling anybody to do this. But these are some of the things that I did, you know, coming up as a young 18, 19, 20 year old man. But mm-hmm. I remember one of my disbursement checks from school, you know, I bought some rims, you know what I mean? But then the next year, once I got into producing, I was like, hey, you know, what I mean, I'm going to, you know, sacrifice and buy this music stuff. So that's mm-hmm. that's one as far as like social life you know what i mean like don't get you know i'm still a sociable person this then the third but like seriously since the moment that i was like i'm gonna be a producer i can't think of a day that i didn't wake up you know what i'm saying kind of dedicating myself to mm-hmm. making a beat or doing something it's like i base my day you know around you know my music of course mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying till then when you have you know kids you may you know of course then the order of operations may change but music is still like you know one b you know what i mean so yeah, it's definitely. like de- dedication has just been like a lot of people I didn't go to a lot of parties. I didn't, you know, even go to a lot of concerts, you know, of people that I wanted to hear because I was just so dedicated and still am so dedicated to my business. Um man, just 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 so many so many sacrifices. Like at the, at the, once you choose to, you know, be a be a musician, I mean your whole your daily existence is a sacrifice. Monetary 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 sacrifices and all all kinds of uh, a list of things. I can go on and on, man, but ultimately i think the sacrifice of the dedication like even little stuff like um and it may seem corny but like i said i used to be a heavy gamer you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i'm not saying that you can be a game and producer because my one of my favorite producers just blaze he proves that you could do both but for me i really wasn't able to so anytime mm-hmm. you know i wanted to even you know like be a geek not even a geek but you know i used to love video games like my production became my video game you know mm-hmm. what i mean yeah so it wasn't any more maddens i can't even remember the last time i Really was good at Madden. Probably was O three. You know what mm-hmm. I mean. So it's like you know you give something up just to like you say put in those ten thousand hours. And I, I I damn sure have put in probably twice if not three times is that I don't know. I put in a lot of hours into this and that, mm-hmm. that sacrifices because um it's gonna take a long time to do that. But before you know it, you do become a master after you put those ten thousand hours in. So I just you know jumped all in. So over the year it was daily sacrifices. Yeah,
1: and I think that's so important that daily sacrifice because I was I was the same way. Like, I mean, I would go out here and there, but a lot of times it was Friday night, Saturday nights, so I'm in the crib making beats. Yeah, you know what I mean. So these people who want to rap or these people who want to be producers are out in the club. You know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, and I'm making beats. and I got yep. five, six, seven beats in. So, you know, you do have to give up, you know, that leisure stuff to get what you want. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's, this is true. It, and especially when you like your, you know, your teens and your twenties, like. That stuff's always going to be there. Once you get a little older, you know that's always going to be there. Mm-hmm. So, and it's better when you have some little bit of money in your pocket exact. and you're growing anyway. You know, some I mean? real
2: deal money. Like if you actually want to do something, you know, it's a little, you know, a yeah, little, little, exactly. little, little, little better. So, yeah, and it's, yeah always, that, it's always
1: it's always going to be there. So you do have to sacrifice, and um, I think those people who do sacrifice are the ones that always rise to the top because they're the ones that going to stick with it. They're going to keep going. They're going to keep putting that time in, um, and and you know, make it come up. So this is true. Um, I wanna to touch on one more thing, kind of about just like the social media and kind of take it offline. Cause you were saying how you were just out in the streets, um, around the city and and everything like that. And I was kind of like the same way. Like when I moved to LA, I'm out, I was out all the time. So it's just like, you know, meeting people in person and building those relationships. So how important is it actually to build those face-to-face relationships?
2: Um, it's it's very important. Like, um, I think don't get it twisted, it's still like is it's cool to use that social media. But at the end of the day, like, even when me just, like, I was a speaker at ASCAP and I started, like, having a lot of face-to-face meetings with a lot of the, you know, execs and other people there. And it's more like some stuff you can't get in the email. Like, even if at some point, like, some of your social media marketing, some of your music gets you in the room, at some point, you're going to have to get in the room with somebody mm-hmm. to, like, be in the real world and make something happen. And you have to have those skills. You have to come off the same way in person as you do online, like, Um, To make more connections or whatever so it's still like I say I call social media the matrix You're gonna have to do some things in the real world And like I say that the only way that your social media for the most part really works for you is if you have something tangible Even if that's something tangible is just like a dope 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 beat, you know, what I mean, Mm -hmm. so Stuff still matters in the real world, you know, so it, it, it really it really matters, and I think it's um It's overlooked how much the in-person connections can kind of lead to something, too. So, man, I I would say that's the main course, because, like I say, at some point, somebody's going to cut a check for you at some point. If you're going to do something, you have to really, um, for the most part, like if you really want to go real far in this career, you can't do it all on the Internet, you know?
1: Yeah, nobody's, like, nobody's cutting checks over DMs.
2: Exactly. They're not cutting checks over DMs. And then, like I say, still, what's the biggest thing that artists, you know, make their money for? Even if they touring producers or DJs at the end of the day, what you can't um, beat. Is that personal connection at a show? You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Or even if, if you're vibing, get to get a chance to vibe with the artist in the studio. It's still that personal connection, and that's something that social media can't recreate. So um, that stuff is is very important. And I think me and you, we come from the generation before the internet, so we ha- we know how to navigate between both. Mm-hmm. But um, it's still it's still like I say at the end of the day, like you say, nobody's really cutting huge checks over social media. So you have to you have to like have that tangible presence in real life
1: yeah definitely and then um i guess speaking of those personal relationships like are you the type I people people always operate differently on social media are you like to type who like responds to comments like when fans comment like on your instagram videos or facebook and things like that to build I those do. relationships
2: i do but the one thing that i need to change right now is that you know sometimes you like i don't I don't respond like I should, you know, cause some, this is a thing and it's not, um, and this can be for like you or any per, you know, up and coming producer that's kind of moving through the ranks. Like a lot of the times, because you really want to touch all of your fans, but since you're at a point to where you're growing, it's almost like sometimes, unfortunately, you know, you you are looking for the next fan or the next person to you know reach to. So sometimes, unfortunately, kind of like some of the same way you do with family members,
0: mm-hmm. you can kind
2: of take them for granted. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's more like, okay, where well, they gonna be there? I got that family. We look for the next. So I do respond and I respond. Mo- you know what I'm saying? Like 50% of the time. The other time, you know, I just kind of am. You know, you forget it. You get caught up. But I'm yeah, making yeah. a conscious effort to not do that. You know what I'm saying? Because because even at, at this yeah. level, I should be able to respond and interact with every single one of my fans. You know, even though it's going to be hard, because you all know we both are, like, real super busy, but at the end of the day, like, uh, I'm making more of a conscious effort to as much as possible, like, not miss any comment, you know? Yeah, I
1: I think it's important to build those relationships, because, you know, you never know. You're out somewhere and you know someone's like yo man i follow you on instagram or something you know, i'm a huge fan of your work and it's like oh mm-hmm. yeah like we, we we chopped it up a little bit or whatever so i think it is it's i really you know admire and respect those artists who do do that or just business exactly. people in general because you mm-hmm. know people are busy so you know even if you get to half of them that's still more than a lot of people do mm-hmm. and i'm real
2: good like you say in real life like i'm talk- i'm about a hundred percent if somebody like comes up to me hey i got this i do whatever because I, I really actually enjoy that like i love talking to people that enjoy my music and that, you know, really are a fan of me. So in real life, I'm, I'm real good with that because it's genuine. But like, you know, like I say, sometimes on the social media, you can kind of get sidetracked, but not enough. But I'm real big about um, communicating with, you know, my fans and people that support me.
1: That's dope. That's dope. Um, So let's kind of change gears a little bit. Um, let's talk about the book. Like what, okay. what compelled you to want to go from producing to, to writing a book about production?
2: man um i i will say that around this time i was thinking about it probably a little later but i was going to a speaking engagement at sae atlanta which i'm returning to sae, SAE atlanta in june and hopefully we can hook up but it was like they asked they was like hey what you want to talk about and i was on a speaking circuit for a little bit doing the you know make your passion your paycheck thing mm-hmm. and i was just like i'm gonna write a book like before i was anything i was a writer even before i was a rapper i was a writer like i used mm-hmm. to be in poetry classes and i got good in english and stuff like i always was a writer so it was nothing to do but what compelled me to write it was i think it was a shortage in the producer community and the artist community as well like of inspiration and information Mm -hmm. and i always like to do stuff off the beat path and i'm not so it was a lot of drum kits and other stuff which is cool but i know me that's not my passion is in that stuff like Mm -hmm. you know it's not I'm a a user more than I am or like, you know, stay around and tweak and do that stuff with drums. So I was like, man, I want something that's true to my brand. But even with the summer camps and all the stuff that I used to do, I was always somewhat of a music educator. So I was like, it makes sense to add author to my brand. Mm -hmm. First of all, to help people in the build. But, you know, like to really, as we grow trying to be young, you know, moguls and entrepreneurs, I was like, you know, this is one thing that I really am passionate about and that can build my brand. So as far as total writing time, Maybe, you know, four weeks, maybe six to seven weeks total from start to finish. Cause you know, it's, it's a quick read, but it's pretty intricate. And, um, mm-hmm. I wrote it, I didn't know how well it was going to do. I knew it was going to do pretty good. I put a little organic promotion behind it. And I mean, in less than a year it sold over 3000 copies, like digital audio and hard copy. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's really saying a lot. Plus with the speaking engagements and stuff is really like a dope Avenue that I'm growing. And I guess, you know, to finish off the book point, like I say, I know, like, my book came out before like Tim's, L.A. Reads and, you know, um mm-hmm. Lecrae's and a lot of people not saying I know they had that idea, too. But it's just cool that I was thinking on that level. Mm-hmm. And now I see a lot of other people, you know, kind of like coming with the books, which is cool because it's um it's always a market for more education and stuff like that. But I always try to be on the cuffs of the trend, trying to do it, you know, first in mm-hmm. essence. So I think that really kind of helped my cause as well. Like throwing it out there when people was like oh what a book that's something different so um it it really came together and and it's a blessing that god has it going so far like it's been sold in so many different countries from like afghanistan um canada uh peru just a lot Mm -hmm. i think peru was it uh uh, uh, yeah peru i think but just a lot of different uh countries and and that's cool that i did that all starting um from dallas so i'm very excited about the book success
1: that's what's up man congratulations on that thank you brother um, thank you Is the whole book project, is that completely self-funded and self-published?
2: Yeah, it's self-published because what what I wanted to do was I did want to go, you know, in essence, at publishers' doorsteps. I knew what it could do. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I knew what I'm so used to pushing my own stuff that I didn't want to sell publishers on it. Mm -hmm. I just wanted it to do the numbers and then potentially, you know, publishers would come. And if the the money was right, it's cool. Mm -hmm. I did it like it sold a lot on Amazon, but I did a lot of it primarily through my site. So I had the numbers to back it up. Mm-hmm. but i mean i'm serious like it, it did very good on amazon too but if i would have um you know it was a gift and a curse i think if i would have pushed all of that stuff to my site we would have literally had like the number one music book in the country or something like at that time so that's cool to know but at the end of the day um i'm still happy that i did it through my site and i did it the entrepreneur way because like it really um man like I, like i think now you know whenever we do another series then we can really show Publishers, if we want to go that route, what is done and what is what the movement was able to do, show them the pictures. And we have like a real, real, real following behind it now.
1: That's that's very dope, man. And uh, speaking of like the whole entrepreneur route and everything like that, what would you tell just a young creative, no matter you know what their discipline is, um, who wants to do something? Who's kind of like waiting on somebody to give him permission to go do something? Like you didn't wait for a publisher to to do this book. You wrote the book, you published it, you went out there and you sold copies. So what would you say to someone who maybe has an idea and is kind of hesitant about it because they're kind of waiting for somebody to give them the green light to to make that move?
2: I think I think you said it right there. It's like you can't wait for people to give you permission to follow your dreams or be successful. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like people may tell you to do this or do that or whatever. You just have to do it yourself. Like people never will, you know like i say you know um with kanye you can love him or you can hate him but they you know people barely gave him permission to be a producer then he did Mm -hmm. that then they wouldn't give him permission to be a rapper as well you know they was like nah this this is that but he had to go out and show and prove and that's what you have to do sometimes like a lot of times people won't get it and a lot of times you do just have to go out there and do it yourself but it can be way more rewarding on the back end but like i say man i'm um Really, a lot of times more people in this world, unfortunately, are followers and you have to show them first. So mm-hmm. anything you want to do, it's a way to do it. And it's a way to do it yourself if it has to come to that. You know what I mean? So whatever the case is, just go get it. You, you you pretty much said it. And I like the way um you said it. Like, you can't wait for people to give you permission for your dream. Like, OK, that's cool. You can do that. Or you can now nah, you have to go. Like put a lot of energy and efforts on the back end to be like, hey, this is what I really believe in. And you just got to get it yourself. And if you Mm -hmm. continue to go for it, like it may be a year, maybe a month, maybe 10 years, whatever it is, you're going to get there. If you're talented in it and you continue to move forward and, you know, just go all out.
1: Yeah, I think I think a lot of people don't uh, they don't understand I even people close to them might doubt what they're doing they might not get they might not even necessarily doubt them they just might not understand it you know what i mean because you go back in the past it's like you go to school you get a job you work this job and that's that you know what i mean so when you want to do something off the beaten path a lot of times people close to you might not even understand it so you got to really have the self-confidence and and know deep down that you can do it and put in that work so you can get to where you need to be and then later on it makes sense when they see the number ones or the plaques on the wall or whatever but uh you know what I mean? You just really got to put that time in.
2: Yeah, this is true. This is true. Got to put that time in. That's what it all boils down to is um, working harder and being better. Because at the end of the day, I mean, if you want real longevity in this game, you know, you you got to have a certain, you know, talent and, and dopeness about you. Because people see, you know, at least most of the time, you know what I'm saying, that's what it really takes to have longevity. And then you got to outwork from that point. It's a lot of people with talent. Now you got to outwork those people, you know, so mm-hmm. it's pretty much like I think those are the two main ingredients that a lot of times are lost in it. We think it's some secret formula, but it's really just being doper at the end of the day and working harder. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like the two things that you can control. And so if you just work on those things, then you can make your your, your own luck and blessings with the others.
1: Definitely. And speaking of like being doper, um, how how do you try to grow every day as a producer as a person as a businessman like what's your what's your ways what do you do to to make yourself better every day
2: uh the main things that i do Mm -hmm. that like i can get better on which also will help me you know improve or whatever like um each year i write yearly weekly monthly and daily goals and it may seem like a lot but you you know you write the big ones out first and Mm -hmm. um at the end of the day like I'm doing pretty good with it, especially my daily goals, but honestly, I can get better if I just sat down and looked at my yearly goals, Mm -hmm. and then I looked at my monthly goals, and then I kind of analyzed my weekly ones, and then went to the daily ones, you would remind yourself, okay, I want to learn one thing new about production this week mm-hmm. i want to learn one thing new about business this week and um you know these are my daily things but i still have been pretty good but if you actually do what your list what you make out on your list every day and then you start seeing yourself getting closer to those yearly goals and stuff so that's what i would say man it's not really all the way real until you write it down and you don't have to make it too over complicated but when you do your goals like that it's like you actually are working towards something tangible Mm -hmm. and when you do that like you know you may you know you know you may exceed it you may just come close but at the end of the day you know you're steadily uh, pursuing something every day you know what i mean exactly like every day you're pursuing something and it's like that's kind of what makes sure you're successful if every day you built upon you know what i'm saying what you did the day before
1: yeah and it's very very important to write your goals down i mean because you can you write them down you visualize them you internalize them and then, like you said, you work towards them every day. And it's like the next thing you know, you know what I mean? You look up, six months later it's passed, and, you know I mean? You've accomplished, even if you've accomplished half of what you've written down, it's still a lot more than what you would have did if you didn't write the down write, write down your goals and have done nothing. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's very important to do that. Um, so I see you out here hustling a lot, going to different uh, the SAEs and everything like that. Are are you booking all of these engagements yourself?
2: Um, Yeah. I, for the first uh, part, I was. Uh, mm-hmm. Now... Um, My manager, he's always been my manager. You know, he always he's that friend that he was he's was and is a songwriter, but he's my boy. Like um, we we do stuff in tandem a lot of times. I am busy, so I give him my ideas, and Mm -hmm. he's the type of dude that I could send in the room, and I know that I'm speaking. You know, so um, initially I was uh, booking all these myself, where they were coming to me. So now, like I I don't stop being a worker I am, but I just figured that now that I have somebody, you know, working in tandem with me while i can you know get a little bit stuff uh, other stuff done whether it be production or other things but initially like i say for the better like uh, most of last year all of last year really and you know for the most of my career it has always been me but -hmm. starting this year like 2015 was pretty epic with some of the awards and stuff and you know some of the uh, stuff i was blessed to win but 2016 has went to the next level kind of with a lot of deals because um I kind of started freeing myself up due to, you know, my um, one of my good friends acting as my manager and doing a very good job. So it's just, you know, levels kind of upgrading.
1: Yeah, that's cool because I mean, the same way was kind of like my manager's like we're really good friends, um, and I was so involved in just my own career, like I was doing everything. So it's like it was more of like a team. Or collaboration effort, then it was like, Oh, this is my manager. Just you know, I was always heavily involved in it. And I think that's important to at least have you know your finger on the pulse of what's going on in your career, even when you start to delegate some of those responsibilities to, yeah. to other people. Because at the end of the day, it is your brand, it is you, you know what I mean. So, um, you know, you have to build that trust with somebody, and if you have that trust there, then like you said, they can go in the room and you know it's yourself talking, but, exactly. But at the same time, you still know what's going on, and um, you know, you got your. You know what you just know what he's gonna do for you, you know what I
2: mean? Exactly, exactly. And that's that's just how it works out, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. All right, so I got a few more questions, man, and we'll wrap up. But um Okay. I know you kinda touched on it a lot, but what is your definition of hustling?
2: Um I guess, man, um just like and it's gonna be generic, but just going, just using this is what I using. All of your resources to the to the best of their ability in a sense that, like I say, I have a certain reach. I have a certain fan base. I have a certain thing that I can do. But what I do think I do is I make all my stuff work together better than most people. Mm -hmm. So whatever my reach is, I think I'm able to almost maximize it due to my hustle and due to my, you know, my strategizing and putting it all together so that, you know, even with me with, let's say, my five thousand. You know five thousand to six hundred, whatever ratio on Instagram or Twitter or whatever it is, I can I, I at least double what it may be due to the way I hustle. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. like my actual reach, I kind of like to me it's just it's just maximizing whatever you have and then you know getting more from that. So that's kind of my version of hustling because that's what I say I do. I see people maybe with, you know, maybe, you know, what I'm saying more skins on the wall, more placements in some areas or whatever. But with my placements, you know, which which is a nice amount at this point. I got some more coming this year or with my, you know, my awards or whatever I have working for me. I think, you know, what I'm saying whatever weight class I'm in as a producer, I think, you know, what I'm saying pound for pound with my hustle. I'm kind of outworking people with whatever i have i use it to make tangible stuff come from it Definitely. so the more i get the more i know how to use it to you know maximize that so whatever class i'm in due to you know my hustle my years in the game and you know sometimes to be where you want to be you just got to hit that major major home run which i haven't all the way hit yet mm-hmm. so for whatever i do have you know what i mean i think i really maximize it to its fullest and you know what i'm saying i'm always looking for ways to maximize it and i think that that's hustle you know what i mean Like, whatever you have, use that to go get other stuff. And then when you get more stuff, learn how to utilize that. Just max out.
1: That's dope. And you kind of said something that kind of gave me another thought real quick. So you said about, like, hitting that major home run and things like that. So how do you decide what is, like, success for you? Because, you know, everybody's not going to be like Timbaland and Pharrell, right? Yeah. But you can make a living off of your your creativity, your passion, right? So how do you define, like, that success? Like, I know everybody has a, a different definition of success, and a lot of times, especially, like, the younger cats, because even when I was younger, I would just, like, look at Pharrell or look at, you know, Kanye and be like, that's what I want to be.
2: Man, but, I said
1: it. You know what I mean? At the same time, when you backtrack, it's like, okay, I can be myself, and I can make a living off of this and be successful. You know what I mean? So how do you find that balance of, you know, defining success and, and reaching the goals that you want to reach and not defining it by somebody else's success?
2: Well, I think you already said it. I have like a I think it's a, a part in my book where I say you got to redefine success and failure. But we're talk about redefining success like the first level of success that I tell producers when I'm at these seminars and in my book is like if you worked at a Walgreens and you took care of yourself with a certain amount of money, if you were able to then be a producer and take care of yourself with that amount of money, you are success. You are success. Mm-hmm. That's the first initial level of success. Then, of course, you're just trying to maximize and do the best you can with that. Like, I used to think the same thing, man. I need to be Timberlin. <clears throat> I need to be Pharrell. I need to be this person or that person. And if I'm not, I'm, you know, not successful. You used to try to go for that home run out the gate and don't get it twisted. That is success. And that's still what I'm aiming for. Like, not just like them, but I want that level for me at some point. You know, but you work mm-hmm. towards it. But that initial level of success where people can that's tangible and it's not like something impossible to do is to be able to make, you know, average, like basically do it full time. If you can get paid for it and do it full time, that's like 90 percent of it. That's the first initial level of success. And that's the measure that should be the initial measure of success for every producer. Because once you do that, then you're ahead of the curve of so many people in the world that are working in the system and um. Nothing wrong with a nine to five job, but you really have to be blessed and you have to love what you're doing. And if anybody is doing what doing something that they don't love for a living, that's kinda of like a real hard life. So once you get able to once you're able to transition and do what you love for a living and get paid for it, you are very successful.
1: Yeah. That's how that's how I look at it too, man. Cause like even now, like <laughs> I work a nine to five at, at home Depot, but I'm taking photos and shooting video all day. You know what I Mm -hmm. mean? Exactly. You know know, what I mean? And I love taking, I love taking videos and and shooting photos. So that's successful. You know what I mean? That's that's successful. And then I can come home, I can make beats. I can go shoot, you know, an engagement, engagement shoot for a couple or or whatever I want to do. You know what I mean? mm -hmm. And like
2: I say, that's, that's the way you do this. system. like I say, you're, you're doing your passion. You know what I mean? mm -hmm. Like that's what it's about. So like, that's, that's success, you know what I'm saying You're putting art into the world You're doing what you love for a living the Success is different for different people It doesn't your, your success may not be my success or vice versa But as long as you love what you're doing mm-hmm. And you wake up not dreading the day You're exactly.
1: good yep. and I think that's what a lot of people need to understand And I hope that they you know, take from this Is that you have to, like you said You have to redefine your, your view of success You know what I mean So yeah. uh, to, to wrap up, uh, where can we find you at online Your Instagram, Snapchat, all that kind of stuff
2: all right, um, my Instagram and my Twitter are J underscore Rhodes, R-H-O-D-E-S. That's J underscore R H O D E S. My um Snapchat uh is Vintage Rhodes, V-I-N-T-A-G-E, R-H-O-D-E-S. I also think you can find me under J underscore Rhodes. I think you know you can find me under either. And my um my my uh Facebook I'm I'm on there too. It's under I got I got my band page, J Rhodes, but I'm under my my regular name, you know, Justin Rhodes, I'm kind of using, I use that the most. And uh, the main thing you can hit up is Vintage, V-I-N-T-A-G-E, Rhodes, R-H-O-D-E-S dot com. That's where you can find the book, Um, you can find the apparel, and you can keep up like a real quick synopsis of everything that I've done and everything that I'm doing or whatnot. It's a real cool way to stay in touch, stay connected, um, join my email list, like I say, buy the book, buy the apparel, and just stay connected with me
1: dope man i definitely appreciate you coming on it was a very dope conversation
2: appreciate and, you um, having me brother
1: yeah and you know i think that a lot of people are going to get um some value out of this conversation for sure because it's always interesting to just hear people tell their stories but also tell you know not just the top level stuff but that that underlying like nitty-gritty day-to-day grind stuff that really makes right, person man. successful so i definitely appreciate you telling your story man and um yeah if you got anything else to say anybody shout out feel free
2: man um man thank you thank you for having me um that's that's pretty much it anybody that uh checks out the podcast like i say stay in touch with me please if you if you like what you heard here there's a lot more in my book very proud of that i mean check out my site you know placements coming with you know dope artists check out my musical work got a lot of cool stuff coming so thank you guys thank you for having me and thank you guys for listening all right that's it
1: this is creative masters
2: all right peace peace peace
1: So there you have it. That's episode two of the creative masters podcast with author and music producer, Jay Rhodes. Be sure to check him out on social media as well as buy his book. These beats ain't free. Again, if you want to submit your instrumentals creative masters podcast at gmail.com as well as leave a review and rate us on iTunes. Um, also follow us and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google play, whatever your choice or preference is. You can also find us at creative masters podcast on Instagram, myself, And Nobody Famous on Instagram and Twitter. And then Machine Masters on Twitter and Instagram at Machine Masters. Until next week, this is Reggie. Peace.